Do you think UFOs, the paranormal, weird history, cryptozoology, and outsider art are pretty darn cool? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to High Strangeness with your host, Steve Byrne. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of High Strangeness. Tonight, I have a wonderful guest. Emily Louise, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about Emily. Emily here is a documentary filmmaker. Her YouTube channel, Weird Reads with Emily Louise, is absolutely phenomenal. Her work focuses on the strange and unusual, new age weirdness, ufology, cults, conspiracies. Emily is giving the UFO world the proper power washing it so desperately needs. My friends, please welcome, straight from the United Kingdom, Emily Louise. Emily, how are you? I'm good. Thank you for the lovely introduction, and I agree that it does need a power. Yeah, washing. well, you're you're doing the hard work. <laughs> it's a great way, to <laughs> you know. That is a wonderful way to put it. it really well, is. you know, uh, one thing I, you know, I've been a fan of Adam Go Rightly, who I'm sure you're familiar with, and I sort of mm-hmm. see you as doing sort of the, a lot of similar work because Adam is a guy who obviously has affection for, you know, these topics, UFOs and stuff like that, but he's not like a true believer. In fact, he kind of focuses on the personalities and the shady characters, which I think, you know, there's guys like Valet, Keel, and all these people doing like theoretical research, but the people Mm -hmm. exposing kind of the people who are mucking up the works, I think it's overlooked a lot. And that's what, you know, you're a lot of what you're doing. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's I, I find kind of the um, the human element of it to be what what interests me probably more than um, whatever you want to call it, whether you want to call it like the phenomena sure. itself. I find that um, the, all of the weird personalities, all of the strange connections, and like that their motivations, be it financial or more nefarious than that. Um, that's the stuff that that I find the most fascinating. Right, right. I do too. I do too. And, you know, I think some people get kind of annoyed that people pay attention to these characters, but I think they do at their own, at their own peril because I mean, like, you know, I'm, and look, I'm sorry for jumping right into it, but like, uh, (laughs) I mean, we're just getting right to it. (laughs) But um, before I I start getting in the nitty gritty, I just really want to compliment you on your documentary filmmaking. It, it, it is, you. it's very elevated. I mean, because people are doing a lot of documentaries on YouTube and there, there's a lot of good ones and they don't necessarily have to be beautiful mm-hmm. to watch or sound perfect, but yours are really just gorgeous to watch and listen to. And they're so organized. Thank and you. I mean, you know, it, it, it's, how did you get into doing this? Like, are, do you have any technical background with a film degree or? Um, I've got a, a fairly useless master's degree in screenwriting, which I would say the the only thing that that that, that uh, oh, I don't want to be rude about it. It was a great year of my life uh, doing it. Um, but it is, you know, in out in the world, a screenwriting degree is, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. But for me, um, I guess it kind of uh, taught me structure um, and how important structure can be um and you know like uh how to present information in a way that's entertaining I guess um also with writing as well like I've um 
I've been writing for years and years and years. But in terms of a technical background, no, no, no sort of technical background. It's all just um. So when it, when it comes to editing, it's all just stuff that I taught myself. Wow, that is incredibly impressive. <laughs> I also want yeah, never never had an never had an editing course or anything like that. Just downloaded it one day and was like, gonna learn how to do wow. this now. See, I. And I think you can tell, I think you can, sorry, no, I no, keep please, interrupting please. you, but I think you can, I think you can tell like the beginning from when I like started the channel. So you go back and watch some of the early videos. It's like, I watch them now and I cringe. I'm like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> some of these are so badly edited compared to now. And I'll probably think that in like two years time, looking back on right. now that it's badly edited. So uh, I mean, you always yeah. want a place to go. You always want to improve it. Like, you know. I look yeah. back at my early career in the first like five, 10 years I was acting. I can't even watch some of the stuff. Cause I, I can tell that I'm just yeah. trying to, I'm just trying to memorize my next line. <laughs> I can feel yeah, the wheels yeah. turning in my head, you know? So <laughs> I'm sure it's not that bad. I'm sure it's, that's the thing you always, I think um, when you're looking at your own work, you're always more self-critical sure. than like, and you, you notice all the yeah. flaws. When you, especially when you see yourself, like it's the same, right? It's so like, obviously when you're acting, you're, you can see yourself and I can see myself on camera and it's like, you can pick out all, all the bad things. You're like, why did you say that like that? Why? Oh no. Why did you do that? Why does your face look so stupid? So, <laughs> yeah. yeah it's, oh yeah. It drives me crazy uh, sometimes. Me too. But, you know. Well, I, I, I do want to compliment <laughs> you because I, I have been shooting a ton of like little weird videos in the Midwest, just kind of like going out to places where uh, UFOs supposedly landed in the 50s and kind of explaining the story of it, mm -hmm. trying to document mm -hmm. the history of weird stuff in the Midwest. But when mm -hmm. it comes time to me to edit the videos, one, I can't stand looking at myself. Two, it's really hard. Like, really hard. Yeah, it is. It's, and, and it, it, I guess uh, when you've been doing it for ages, I think it gets a lot easier. It's like anything, right? It's it's like any sort of skill you'll develop it over time. You'll learn all of the um all of the shortcuts and stuff. So my advice would be just to persevere. Yeah. Keep yeah, going. Thank you. Force yourself to do it. <laughs> I need this encouragement, Emily. Thank you so much. <laughs> I, one thing I you know um, before we kind of jump ahead to you know while we're on the technical aspect, I just want to say to your use mm -hmm. of humor when covering you know some of these dark and sinister topics is just perfect you know yeah I feel like it's important mm -hmm. to do that well I, I agree too I I find like one reason I think I love old UFO stories is one because I mean like you know I I, I don't know if they're true but to me it's the story that's important and I mm -hmm. find some of them so surreal strange and hilarious like it's the best comedy out there yeah not the trauma the people experience <laughs> not that it's, um, yes, actually, yeah, what, some of it could be quite yeah intense. but actually the story of it are, <laughs> they're so surreal and lynchian that they yeah. make me laugh yeah like there's and i feel like with a lot of these um like very dark stories like take the montauk yes. project for example like when you drill down to to that you've really got like a bunch of um not very well people that are encouraging each other in a delusion that is also leading to you know some very nefarious things happening but there's also like real ridiculous elements to it right so you're talking like a guy that thinks that he uh went back to the life of Jesus mm -hmm. and had a gun on him and was there to assassinate Jesus and all this kind of thing you know like it goes really wild you know off the wall kind of stuff and there's humor that you can find in that so I think 
when it comes to um putting humor in uh in these kind of topics it's like i guess it's just like choosing the right moment right because right? you want to toe that line between like being respectful and not exploitative and you know like emphasizing the harmfulness of a lot of the especially the topics that i cover um but also like i feel like the way to get to not to go off on a tangent right but like a lot of these are like niche mm-hmm. topics right and we like we operate within a niche right where all of these kind of fringe topics but it's, a lot of it is also um very interesting to just like a mainstream audience but it has to be like palatable you know like and if you do it in a way that is um entertaining and fun to watch instead of it being like either like really straight and just like full of information you're just being bombarded with like names dates and all that kind of stuff or like i I don't know but you just got to kind of like package it i guess in a way that is um palatable sorry i'm like no 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 i mean no (laughs) that's a beautiful answer to the question because i i Totally agree. I think that's one of the large appeals to I'm very interested in the mm-hmm. subject matter. I found you, I can't remember how it was. A, I honestly, maybe it was the snippy case uh, video you did. Yeah, maybe. So I saw it on Twitter. And I'm like, oh, interesting. It, but I was like, oh, this is the, I had never one like heard such in-depth research into the snippy case. And I kind of had bought the snippy case as totally weird. It's a weird thing. We don't know what it is. But then after watching your video, I'm like, well, I'm not so sure now. <laughs> you know, like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I I do I There's... do think it's important. Um, our mutual friend, Rob Christopherson, has said multiple times, and he said to me, a couple, you know, earlier in the summer, he's like, got people like us who have been looking at this stuff for years can get attached to certain narratives. But we have to take a mm-hmm. look inside of ourselves and just question some of these things we love. And I've had to do that Absolutely. over the years, especially the last 10 years. I'm like, oh, a lot of this is BS. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think that that's, that is like the most important thing, right? Because I feel like, um, and this is this is where I would try and like differentiate myself for like and say that I'm not out to like debunk or to say that anybody is stupid or gullible for believing in X, Y, um, X, Y, Z thing. Right. But there's also like people that believe in certain things. It's like, it, it, it's when you get like really dogmatic about it. Mm. Right. Especially about topics like this and you can't accept um, reality. Right. When, when somebody comes to you and is like, I have proof that what you believe in is not, you've been told a lie like and it's not a disparagement on you for believing it because at that time you were given false Mm -hmm. information but now we've learned more and this is the actual story and these are the people behind this story and it's like if you can't at that point when you're when you're confronted with information that contradicts something that you've believed you believe in and like contradicts it to the point where you're like okay that I really can't argue against this the people either like dig their heels in the ground and refuse to budge and at that point you know like there's not much you can do for for those kind of right. people and some people are are like willing to change um their opinions and like i believed in so much of this stuff beforehand like i always say i, I always give like bob lazar as an oh, example yeah. right you know like area 51 bob lazar i was like you know i thought that that was 
I thought he was legit. I would say things like, well, you know, he hasn't changed his story in like 20. He's been saying the same thing the whole, the whole time. Why would he lie? What motivation has he got to lie? And, you know, it's just you get in those kind of um, cycles, I think. And then you get um, you get kind of, uh, what am I trying to say? You get kind of like boxed in with like your people and then you don't really see like anything outside of that because if you those kind of like the critics of of what you believe in are kind of you know they're classed as like heretics yes. basically you know like don't listen don't listen to them they're just a they're just a debunker and they they're trying to you know withhold right. the truth all that <laughs> right. kind of stuff yeah it's just gets so ridiculous well, it, it does and i, I want to go back because it made me think of something you mentioned montauk earlier and Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I remember hearing about that story kind of when it was like bubbling around, I think mm-hmm. in the 90s or early 2000s. It was early yeah. days of the internet, I remember. 90s. And at first, yeah. I think I just really, I was very gullible in those days. I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. And then you quickly learn it's one of the biggest bullshit stories of all time. <laughs> but the cultural impact, if you think about it, was amazing. I mean, Stranger Things, I'm not sure how big it is oh, yeah. in the UK, but in America, oh, it's one of the biggest shows. And that is yeah. a straight lift from the Montauk's narrative. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's wild. You know, I, the reason that it works, I think, so well and it gets people to believe in it is because it takes um, little grains of truth, mm-hmm. right? So a lot of things are actually real are worked into the Montauk story, things like MK Ultra mind control experiments, things that, you know, we know happened. And we also, you know, we don't know the full extent of um, exactly what happened. So that opens it up for more conspiracizing mm-hmm. about it. And you can weave it into your narrative, um, which is exactly what they did with Montauk, and to, you know, to, to make it more believable. Do, do you mind, just in case I have some listeners who don't, like just giving like a thumbnail of what Montauk was? Sure. So um, Preston Nichols uh, was a guy from Long Island um, who's very involved in, you know, like UFO uh, research, all of that kind of stuff. Um, And him, Al Bielik and Duncan Cameron towards the late 80s. Uh, this is really, this is really like an abbreviated, yeah. like on the spot yeah, explanation. It, 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 it's, it's a thick story. I totally understand. It, it's yeah. <laughs> They um they got together and uh, somehow crafted a narrative that they had all been involved in time travel and mind control experiments involving children at a place called Camp Hero, which is a real place, um and it is abandoned. Uh, so that kind of you know gives the, there's videos of them walking around the abandoned building, going this is this is where they kept the children and all of this kind of stuff, and and it and it evolved through a series of books so they first started telling the story in the late 80s they were part of um god I now I'm like I'm remembering all little details that I want to add in but Al Bielik who's one of the guys who's involved in in creating the Montauk project he's been around since the 1960s he was friends with people like Ivan T Mm. Sanderson he's mentioned in Jacques Vallée's diaries he was somewhat involved in the Philadelphia experiment story in that he probably had communication with Carl Allen via people like Ivan T Sanderson um and he ended up writing a book with Brad Steiger in the early 90s about the Philadelphia experiment. Anyway, 
the story of Montauk is very much built out of that because they take like the Philadelphia experiment story, which is uh, about you know t- um, time travel and teleportation of a ship called the USS Eldridge. And um, they extrapolate on it. They add in all of the mind control stuff. You've got um, children being abducted and uh, being uh victims of psychosexual mind control techniques and torture to split their uh, minds into alternate personalities to turn them into super soldiers all of this kind of stuff so when we talk about the impact of the montauk project in the worlds of like entertainment of course you've got uh, Stranger mm. Things, which is like the big was influenced massively. Well, it, it was originally called Montal yeah. <laughs> um, to begin with, and the um, Eleven's name was Duncan, right? Because Duncan Cameron was the guy that controlled the Montauk chair. So obviously that's its um, influence in popular culture, but its influence within like conspiracy circles is even more massive. So all of the secret space program stuff. Whenever you hear like a Corey yes. Good type character um, talking about how um, he's been away from Earth for 20 years uh, and then been like mind regressed back into the body of a child and lost 20 years of his life. That's all from Montauk. That is that's where it all comes from. I didn't all know of the, that. You can trace. Yeah, you can trace all of the origins. So I've got a not to do like a plug. Right. Uh, not to do like shameless self-promotion but there's one um documentary on my channel called uh, alternative mm. three and it's all about um how alternative three inspired a lot of the secret space program stuff um and alternative three was a, a documentary from the 1970s a fake documentary um that was created by anglia in like 1977 about um a mission to mars basically and a brain drain out of the united i'm really rambling this here so is, stop no this is great ever. thank you <laughs> please please sorry <laughs> Um, it was about a brain drain out of the United Kingdom. They were basically taking people and transporting them to Mars, and they'd landed. They they landed on Mars apparently, and there was footage of them landing on Mars. It was the whole thing was fake. It was an April Fool's Day um, prank, but it got uh, broadcast on like June first instead. They like moved right. the dates, um, which is great. <laughs> And Montauk was really inspired by that as well as the Philadelphia experiment. So in the first Montauk project book, um, which came out very early 90s, so before they had a series of books, it was Al Duncan um, and Preston doing, you know, talking on the UFO circuit, you know, to people in a bit, bit of the new age circuit as well. They hooked up with a guy called Peter Moon, who's an ex-Scientologist, quite high-ranking Scientologist, and they wrote a series of books about, about the Montauk project. First one came out in the early 90s. And in it, there's a whole chapter on Alternative 3. So in this documentary, I've got my YouTube channel, kind of starts with Alternative 3, then goes into Montauk and how all of the UFO stuff combined with Montauk and this fake documentary basically inspired all of these secret space program claims. And you can, you it's so funny because you can pinpoint like all of these things that like Corey Good says that he made up himself, right? And it's his intellectual property. You can trace it back so easily and you can pinpoint exactly where it came from. It's wow. nice. See, I, did, I actually didn't <laughs> know. Is David Wilcox messed up in in, in the, I mean, he, he seems yeah, pretty so montauk as well. 
Yeah, he's a big Montauk believer. He was a really big Montauk believer. And his story was, he tells this story on uh, multiple lectures. We used to, but I don't think he does anymore. He says that he was in a Denny's one night, um, like late at night, <laughs> as you do. This we starts already, great already. already <laughs> set, yeah, exactly. Already set it up perfectly. Um, he's at this Denny's late at night. And this guy, and he's reading a Montauk project book, first Montauk project book. And he says, this guy comes over to him and he's like, how do you like that Montauk story? You like that? And he's like, no, the whole thing's fake. Like everybody knows it's fake. And apparently this guy sits down next to him and starts telling him all of this stuff about how he used to work at Montauk and everything's real. This guy becomes like his top secret source, right? I can't remember what it's that. I think his name's Daniel, something like that. Um... And he, he's now like this whistleblower source for David Wilcock. And there's like, again, I put so much of this in the documentary and there's loads of clips in it as well. Um, but you can like hear David Wilcock talking about it, how Montauk's real, how they use the Montauk chair, all of this stuff. And, and then it, then it's all, you know, modern day iterations of it are things like super soldier talk um, with, uh, I can't remember his name. James something I can't I literally can't remember his name it's like James Rink that's it he's got a YouTube channel called Super Soldier Talk it's almost at like 100,000 subscribers and he has people on there every like every single day live streaming who think that they've been part of the Montauk project it's insane and there's a really great YouTuber called Oki um who did a documentary uh I think it's called like how I infiltrated a conspiracy cult where he made up this whole story about how he was a super soldier and he'd been to fight on Mars and all this kind of stuff, got onto James Rink's show. Like this guy, like took his story verbatim. It's amazing. It's such a good documentary that he's got on his channel. It's so oh good. Oh my God, that is incredible. Yeah, sorry, that was a bit no, of a wild that was rampage. A, I mean, like that is, su- it's such a like <laughs> mess of a story, but you really uh, paraphrased it oh, perfectly. I have to tell you. I- yeah, and like there's. Oh, please, no, please. Go on. Well, there's like so many Montauk project books. Like I've got, I don't know if like if you're going to show this, but I've got like a bunch of them on the bookshelf behind me. I've got like the first, I think four of them and I've got the rest of them in PDF, but there's like six, six really? books. And then they got, yeah. And it all goes, and then it goes into like the Nazi occultism territory, like all of this stuff tends yeah. to do. Um, And it gets really dark, really mm-hmm. fast, like really fast. And that's the thing, like, a lot of people, it's like my friend uh, Stephen Cambian says, uh, he's like, <laughs> when I made the video on Montauk, he was like, I like this video because you focused on the jerk and all yeah. that, right? Because they all... <laughs> He was like, nobody talks about the jerking off. Like, why don't they talk about it? And it's like, you know, again, like these, what Preston was doing, he would say, like, come into this room with me and I'll jerk you off and you can start remembering all of this stuff. Like, it's insane. It's crazy. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, it's like, I can't believe, I mean, like, it is shocking. I mean, I guess I shouldn't be shocked, but like, it is shocking that there's anyone still taking the whole Montauk thing seriously. Oh, but there's you. there are so many people that do. Like, it is massive. That, that, like, absolutely massive. Still, to the stakes. I remember it was. Yeah. And it, I, I mean, I obviously just kind of, like, stopped paying attention to it years ago. But I kind of felt like, ah, eh, that will just go away. It's a little too ridiculous for even... <laughs> but I guess the more ridiculous, the better. You, you would, would hope, hope yes. <laughs> yeah. It, but, no, it just... It, it, well, it, and it's, again... 
with all of these other people that have come into the fray, like this James Rink character, character that I was talking about who does super soldier talk, it's um, got a life of its own, right? It's like folklore. Mm. People keep adding right. to the story. Right. And it's, and that's, again, like going back to the videos that I make, that I feel is one of the things that motivates me is like trying to figure out where so many of these stories began. And I'm lucky in the sense that like, Montauk really began like less than 40 years yeah. ago so we 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 can kind of trace it back um to its to its origins quite easily and I just think about you know like people that I wonder how far it will go in like the next 50 years right so when I'm like in my 80s and I look up Montauk <laughs> and I'm like and all this thing that people have added on to the story <laughs> You know, it just makes you wonder, like, where is it going to go? Yeah, it's probably going to survive many lifetimes in many generations. Uh, there yeah. will be Montauk in the yeah, year three thousand. Unfortunately, it will be. Yeah, exactly. I, ha- I have yeah. to. I have to tell you this, um, and I don't know if I've ever talked about this on the podcast, but like probably ten years ago, nine or ten years ago, it was my wife's birthday, and so we decided to go to this restaurant and Topanga Canyon, just kind of outside of LA. It was, and it was known, it was called the Inn of the Seventh Ray. And it was like in this like right. beautiful area. And it's known to be like the hub of the new age movement in Southern California. Right. It's like where they- It's going to say Seventh Ray. Oh yeah. Like. I mean, like it, it is the place, it was the place to be in the eighties and the nineties. And so I was like, ooh, and it's supposedly right. the food is incredible. And I must say it is. Right. And, it's it a really, restaurant. Yeah, it's a it's a restaurant. And the whole area, right. there was like a lot of new age shops around there. And right. I must admit, sometimes I like going in there and being around wackadoo people. It, it, it's fun for me. Oh, so I do love I. It. I. So do, so do um, I. So do I. People always think I'm like really anti and I'm I'm really not. I, do, I find the whole thing yes, fascinating. I the, think that's what, like, what draws me to it. The ephemera of place. it all like excites me. Yeah. I don't know why. But um, yeah. Yeah. So we're sitting at, and it's an expensive restaurant. I think, I'm pretty sure it's my wife's birthday or our anniversary. So we're having a nice dinner. We're dressed up. We took like an Uber all the way out there. We're drinking wine. It's going great. And guess who sits down next to our table? And it's outside, David Wilcock. Oh yes. my God. And I, it ruined the entire <laughs> night because I was obsessively staring. I, I kept telling my wife, like, I have to say something. I have to say something to him. I had to, like, say what a bullshitter and I can't stand him. I was like, I was going to go, like, talk shit to him. And my wife was like, please don't. Oh and I God. could not stop fixating on him. I'm like, oh, my God, it's fucking David Wilcox over there. I would have, I would have asked him for a favor. Yeah, I wanted to. Even even though, I, even though I'm really not a fan Neither of the man, I just think it'd be hilarious. Me too. I wanted to kind of, I was like, I, I want to go and pretend like I'm a follower. Like, you know, one of his disciples. And because he was also with like a, what looked like a 19 year old. Like, <laughs> you know, like. Oh, I'm not. That doesn't, that doesn't surprise yeah, me. Right, though. right. But it was, it was such a thrilling <laughs> night. I kind of probably ruined the evening for my wife, unfortunately. But it wouldn't be the first time. Oh. <laughs> you know, like. Aww. I know, damn you, David Wilcox. Yeah, I made it up to her in other ways. <laughs> um, one thing I just kind of wanted to, you know, ask your opinion on, you know, with all the subject matters you cover, uh, you know, mm-hmm. kind of popular conspiracy theories, new age uh, cults, ufology. You know, I think a lot of people will look at these topics and think that, oh, I can see how they're in the same kind of like wide genre. But when you really look at it, they're so inextricably linked that it's almost hard to tell the difference between them. Is that kind of how you feel about yeah. this, this, these topics? Um, especially with like new age and, and ufology, although um, 
my friend, uh, an excellent researcher, Jack mm-hmm. Brewer, made a really good point on um, Twitter the other day. Uh, something that I posted about the link between um, ufology and the new age. And, and he said something like, if, you know, of course, there's connections between ufology and the new age. But there's also the point that um, people involved in ufology will literally share a stage with anyone. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> just, just get up anywhere. I've been invited to speak. OK, absolutely. I'll be there. You know, like doesn't doesn't matter who else is on this. You know, and, and there's a perfect example of that with them. Um, what's his name? He's the pilot. Oh God! Right? Is it Ryan Graves? Yes. Who was at the um, the Mexican UFO uh-huh, hearings uh-huh. with uh, Jaime right. Masson with the as uh, the the little the, the clay little dry aliens? aliens. Yeah, know, that are made, <laughs> yeah, that are made out of like God knows yeah. what. Plaster know? Paris. And, I mean, I can do that. <laughs> Yeah, and he and then afterward, people warned him beforehand because they knew that that was going to be there, and they were like, "Do not go to this. You're going to look like an yeah. idiot. Like your entire, you're going to be discredited." You know, I mean, he discredits himself on mm-hmm. multiple occasions. That's not the point. But then our, he was like, you know, still went to it, and then afterwards, you know, claimed ignorance that he had no idea. And it's like, dude, like everyone on Twitter warned you and told you yeah, about it. And this. if you Google, just I mean, you took. Yeah. Five seconds to Google Jaime Musan. Even in yeah. the 90s, like when I was a kid, I yeah. knew not to take him seriously. You know what I'm saying? Like, Yeah, exactly. He's just a hoaxer. He's a hoaxer, like, and he's, yeah. I mean, I mean it's, it's, this is like not new, a new reveal about him. <laughs> like, yeah. you know. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. E- even not. in the, you know, the, you know, more fringier side of the UFO scene. I, 20 years ago, he was kind of kicked out. <laughs> I mean, he's, you know. like Yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. So there's definitely like a um an intersection between like new age stuff and um ufology. I think a really good good modern examples of that is somebody like uh Chris Bledsoe, yeah. although I I think that maybe he wouldn't like the new age uh title being put on him because you know he's very much you know trying to say that this is you know the lady coming yeah. down and it's all to do with Christ and x y and z stuff but it's um i guess the the mixing of uh religious ideology mm-hmm. with 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 ufos another example a good example of new age stuff would be somebody like angeline yes. right <laughs> angeline yeah um she's we used to be good pals me and angeline but she blocked uh, me at the beginning of the uh, year angeline <laughs> i'm pretty sure everyone listening knows this but angeline was a woman who worked for the pentagon who about two years ago yeah. said she was going to meet a group of aliens inside of a mountain. Oh no, she met oh, them. Oh, she met them. She met she... them. Oh yeah. The stories, the story is, is wild. And I was going to make a documentary Ooh. on it. And I got and even gotten to the point where I interviewed the guys who owned the land that she supposedly had really? this thing on. And <gasps> yeah. And He's an interesting character in himself, but I won't go into that. And also interviewed Angelie, but me and her had like a two-hour Zoom chat thing. And then I started to become more skeptical of her story. And then we had a falling out, I think, on Twitter because <laughs> this is so niche, ridiculous. But she had I somebody had followed or began to follow this guy called uh Robert Seffer. 
who is um, a Nazi. And I'm not saying that, you know, not banding the term around being like, you're a Nazi, like he's a Nazi. Go look at his YouTube channel. Um, the things that he says, he is, uh, markets himself as like an esoteric Nazi kind of guy. And I got a Twitter notification saying some, one of your followers is subscribed to Robert Seffer and pay, paying him, right? Because Twitter weirdly notifies you and thinking that you might want to pay this guy as well. So I did a screenshot of it, posted it up, and I was like, who the bloody hell am I following who's, who's given money to a Nazi? And then somebody kindly put in the comments, oh, it's Angeline. <laughs> and then Angeline did not like that at all. And and then denied that this guy's a Nazi. I mean, I you can just, just go look at his YouTube channel, go look at his tweets. I mean, we're talking straight up racist like just not he is a nazi a hundred percent like not even trying to hide yeah, it crazy. just like hey i'm a nazi not even just just not even trying to hide it at all um yeah so it got it got really weird and then she it kind of turned into like an argument and then she was like oh you're just saying that people you don't like are nazis and i was like no this isn't a case of like you know him being a conservative right winger and me not liking his opinions and then just throwing the word nazi at him for no reason like this guy's a nazi angeli and then just like got into this whole big argument and yeah Thing we haven't, yeah, haven't been mates since. Sadly, uh, I'm sorry about the falling out. I'm, I'm hopefully, hopefully you're okay. You know, and you moved on. You found some oh, new I'm friends. Fine. <laughs> yes, yeah, it, it, I'm fine. I feel, I feel like she. Um, at the time when I was thinking of making that, I, I was um, probably not as skeptical as I should have been, especially considering you know her background. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to, you know say that every single person that's ever worked for any sort of agency is always is always going to be a sus character until the end of time but I mean my god look at that woman's resume like go on her LinkedIn see where she works and she's also you know she's doing things like information warfare and then coming out with an intense alien story but you know it's it, it just you know, one, one, one like little detail, I saw her answering some questions when she said like, okay, the meeting, you know, I can't go back and meet the aliens again in the mountains. Something happened. And then someone. Yeah. Oh, she fell out with she the land that, that's, that's why. why. That, that's yeah. holding her back yeah. from contact with the non-human <laughs> intelligence. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> Great excuse. But I remember she said when she had the meeting, someone was like, well, you must have been on some powerful drugs. And she's like. I wasn't on drugs. And then like she said she said like a couple minutes later, like, well, actually I was on sativa oil. <laughs> oh, she was on no, she was on Rick, she was on Rick Simpson What's oil. That? Which is like Rick Simpson oil is um I think it's I don't let me Google yeah. it really quick so I don't give out some false information. No. But I feel like it's quite uh potent weed oil. Hang on, what's yeah. it saying? It's high in THC, which is the main psychoactive chemical in marijuana. So, you know, if you're going to, if you're dosing THC, you know, not everybody's going to trip out, but there was some other, you know, people saying that she was on other medications and stuff. I'm not interested in getting into a medical background, but, you know, there's, there's enough in the story to give uh, cause for concern that, and also considering the fact that she said that the guy that owned the land, she gave him a pseudonym, pseudonym to begin with, but everybody found out who he was. Um, she said that he was building this tunnel. He built a tunnel into this cave um, to fight because he knew that there was aliens in there. 
and he hadn't he, he would he was like building he was trying to excavate something on his land I think maybe because he felt that there might be water in there or something or he was trying to do something with storage I can't remember exactly what it was but anyway she says that like he went in there with her he met the beings and stuff and he's like never happened literally never oh, happened. oh so he doesn't corroborate any yes of it. no oh, he corroborates that she was there he corroborates that he gave her Rick Simpson oil. He corroborates that she was high. Um, but that's, <laughs> that's that's basically it. But it's but it's you know there there are interesting elements to that to to Angelie's story. I, I'm, that I won't go into because some of it is like really you know whatever. But again, like talking about the intersection between New Age and whatever, she's now coming out with. Well, she says it's not Doomsday prediction. Oh. But it's like her and um, who's the other guy who's like ex CIA John Romero. Oh yeah, he he's big he's, now. He thinks, he's big now. Oh yeah, he thinks that he's like a hybrid or yeah. something, alien human. And he's hybrid. kind of reptilian guy um, too, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, and they they both giving like these dates for not disclosure, but like massive Earth changes. Mm. So she she put out tweets that were like. The beings are showing me 2027, um, massive solar flares, like in real like doomsday stuff. She's she's been like no uh, ele- no electric power cuts, power outages everywhere. Go up to mountains or down in caves, like all of this kind of stuff. You know, like real doomsday. But then also she's saying that the beings are um, channeling through her so that we can transcend to a fourth density. And it's all about transcendence and all of this kind of stuff. And you know, it, it's all—it's all like very similar, um, kind of apocalyptic, weird, new agey, religious undertones. Yeah, you know, really and, and that is one of the things that bothers me about, like, because you know, like when Angelie's story first came out, I obviously was like, "Well, this mm-hmm. is some real fun bullshit. <laughs> I am gonna follow <laughs> this. Yummy, yummy." <laughs> yeah, did did like a press conference I outside the it. Lincoln Memorial. I watched it. <laughs> I, it was it was so deeply weird, and like no yeah. one really was there, and like. No, there was like five people. It was the there. strangest. Thing. It was like her and Alan. It was her and like Alan Steinfeld, yeah. I think his name is, and he's like, you know, you want to talk about New oh. Age woo woo? That guy's got you. It, it, you know, if I was a down. casting director trying to cast like a New Age weirdo, he would get the he would get the role <laughs> in the movie. You know, like he's perfect. and he's he's like he's another one that's big into Montauk because he's friends with um Peter Moon who wrote the Montauk books. He's had um him on his show multiple times. It's there's so many like connections. Yeah. Like what they all know. They all it's know each other. They all world. tell the same story. And that's kind of what you know if I had to give them like notes, if I was like an executive at a studio, I would say like guys, you need some new stories because you are just yes. they're recycled <laughs> from like a hundred years of the yeah. same thing and they don't even really package it in a new way it's yeah. kind of literally no and just you know ufos for example like the crap the narrative of the government having crashed ufos and dead alien bodies i mean yeah that at least goes back to the early 70s and i think probably there's yeah. cases in the 50s and 60s where people were saying stuff like that yeah yeah it's like um what's his name is it frank yeah. scully yeah yeah so it, go, it goes back like years and years and years yeah it's like david grosh it's like nothing well new. That, and that's you know that kind of brings <laughs> me to a question i had i want to pose to you um you know obviously the disclosure activists out there 
our loving Grush still standing, you know, <laughs> behind their boy. You know, like he is. I, I stand, stand with, with Grush, Grush baby. Ribbon on yeah, my I'll die for him. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like, I kind of do. I, I can't help but think, you know, is this a guy who is just hearing about this, this, a lot of this UFO stuff for the first time. He's like, whoa, you know, or is he willingly doing like a psyop for the government? I can't tell because so far, all he said is I've heard a lot of things. And like, well, these are things we all heard on internet forums 20 years ago. Nothing new, not one new aspect to it, except for it was on C-SPAN. But do you yeah, think, no, do you exactly. think is ju- they just found a very naive person or that he is just a really good actor and doing, doing it? I initially, I initially thought um, the second one, that he's a good actor doing, doing an op. Now I feel like he's, he's um, being duped. Yeah. I yeah. think it's really difficult to it, like, <laughs> Because it's, I mean, you know, just hypothesize it. Nobody really knows. But it's like he is kind of, like you said, just recycling a lot of the same stories. There is no new information. Everything that he says is is a rehash of, of everything that's gone before. And it's almost like he's deliberately been given certain bits of information. Like there's so much that, that has come out not come out recently but so much that has been like said recently especially on like things like ufo twitter right so i'm like i've got a certain amount of like brain damage that i i force myself to like (laughs) read ufo twitter i go in like ufo twitter spaces i watch things like thomas fessler's disclosure tonight show on youtube if you've ever watched no you're going a step beyond i'm I'm, you know oh god we need you i am i am I'm like I'm like torturing myself. He has Rick Doty on oh, there all wow. the time as like a special guest. Rick Doty giving disclosure updates. Um, so a lot of this stuff, like I see a lot of this stuff, right? I see it on purpose, and it's all just. There's literally nothing new. It's all just rehashing. It's like the MJ12 stuff Ugh. coming back around, you know. Um, it. I just. I don't know because I I never feel comfortable like. Uh, just like giving an opinion without providing something to back it up. But I just say on a vibes basis, I would, I would, my vibes perception of David Grush is that he is a useful asset, whether he knows that or right. not. Um, and and the reasons for that are are endless. You come up with a million different reasons of why they would want to push a UFO story and have people believe in it, and you know. Um, it's also like there are also people in the US government, CIA, NASA, lots of different agencies that are that have very, very strange beliefs, right? Like a good example of that is somebody like uh, Tim Taylor from Diana Pasolka's yeah. book and and Chris Bledsoe's right. book. You know, we're talking like quite some quite strange uh yeah i don't drink coffee i sing the sun and drink a glass of i mean like i'm like this this sounds like the worst life ever man yeah (laughs) i know i know it's and it's and it's like i don't i just i don't know what to make of it all i genuinely don't like i've been reading this um ufo of god i read that too and um yeah it's oh i'm almost finished with it and um 
my boyfriend at the at the moment is reading one of Diana Pasolka's books, and a lot of the there's you know there's massive mm-hmm. overlap in these stories, and a lot of these characters keep popping up, and and these people like um, Tim Taylor. Uh, Colonel John Alexander, Jim Semivan, people from these agencies, they seem to like weirdly ingratiate themselves with these people's families, like Diana Pasolka's family and Chris Bledsoe's family, to the point that they just show right. up and they're like, oh yeah, they showed up and they, they was at my my daughter's graduation. Right. They just showed up at a sex place. I'm like, do you guys know, ever wonder like why they want to get so close to your family? Like I, I don't know if it's just me being paranoid, but if people from like the CIA and NASA come along, I'd be like, can you stay, get away from well, my kids, you please? Know, he- you Stay know what, what's alone. interesting in uh, Diana Walsh-Pasolka's new book, she actually talks about mm. a meeting she has with Jacques Vallée in a lobby, and Jacques Vallée tells her what they do if they get close to your family. Yes. yes. And I, the first thing I yeah, thought about exactly. was Chris Bledsoe, because I'm like, why in the hell are all these CIA and military people yes. swinging down to South Carolina to go to some someone's yeah. house who sees purple lights? Yes, I, I can't exactly. I can't, it it can't be that they're all. I mean, because like there's so many people who report things like this, or even things that are way mm. weirder. But why Chris mm. Bledsoe? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Do you want my do you want my vibes based I, I do. theory on Please. it? Please. <laughs> and again, this is I really like. I again, I'll I'll put a thesis together at some point. But there's another book called The Stargate Conspiracy, um, written by Lynn Pickett and Clyde. I can't remember his name. I can't remember his name. That's going to really bug me. Anyway, Stargate Conspiracy, and it's all about um, intelligence agencies connected with um, people like Andrea Puharic uh, and channeling the Nine yes. and Egyptologists and Edgar Casey and all of that kind of stuff. And it feels to me that Chris Bledsoe is kind of being put forward as this new Edgar Casey, Yuri Geller, or something. Type thing. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. So, but it's but it's very much like that. So, there's a lot of healing involved, mm-hmm. right? In Chris Bledsoe's story, he can magically heal people. There's no evidence or proof ever given for it, but he can magically heal people. And he there's a lot of like um, strange. Uh, similarities between Bledsoe's story and Edgar Casey's life story. And, you know, believers, w- believers would be like, yeah, but that's because Edgar Casey's legit and blah, 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 blah. But if you really like dig into it, and again, I don't, I'm, the, I'm not comfortable saying the details because I'm not prepared. Right, 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 right. But eventually, but eventually I will give some sort of like, you know, put, put it forward my theory in, in, uh, in full. But there's a lot of like strange connections between um, Edgar Casey, people that are really interested in like ancient Egypt, like your um, Graham Hancock characters, the um, and a lot of like military intelligence people, and you, it's all kind of again like even Chris Bledsoe, he's got this, he has this message um, f- that's given to him. Uh, by the lady and it's something like I can't remember off the top of my head but it's something about the Red Star Regulus rises in the east and it'll be by the Sphinx this in the in the line of the Sphinx and that all comes from like early 90s a guy Robert Bouval I think his name is all kind of like the Graham Hancock type stuff and it's all mentioned in this book the Stargate Conspiracy um yeah 
it, it, I'm, I'm doing a bit of a, like a tangent with like very minimal evidence. No, no, well, <laughs> like, you, know, you know, I mean, just one thing off the bat that I kind of thought of, I believe if I'm remembering correctly, that Edgar Casey was like a was sick, lived a lot of his life where he was ill. Just yeah. like Chris Bledsoe, yeah, a lot of his life that he was like, ill. You know, yeah, his illness is a big part of the book. Where yeah. you know, so yeah, yeah, there is some like eerie similarities, and I did not put that together. It's like yeah, if and the Edgar Casey connections to Egypt yeah. as well. They're like really big on Egypt because I think there's there's some belief that like underneath the Sphinx is the Akashic records. Oh, yeah. Or like a lost lost libraries or something. Again, I'm trying to say remember this records. stuff off the top of yeah. my head. <laughs> yeah, I'll listen. I'll listen to this back and I'll be like, God damn it, Emu, why didn't you include that one bit? But this is what I was saying this to my boyfriend. I was like, I feel like UFO of God, reading UFO of God alongside this book, The Stargate Conspiracy, would be like the perfect joint mm. read because it's like this this book the stargate conspiracy is all about like mil military and intelligence involvement in like ancient egypt right. and all, all of that kind of you know new agey um the channeling the nine and all mm -hmm. of this kind of stuff and there's so much of that in chris bledsoe's story that i'm almost like again vibes based but i'm almost like is this guy like being psyoped in in a way to like make make him believe that you know, it's either, it's either, I say, you know, people, Bledsoe believers are going to be like, nope, this is all real. But in my opinion, like his story is either some sort of like, he's he's been manipulated in some sense to believe these right. things or um, it's, I, I hate to say it, I don't want to sound like a debunker, but it's it, it has to be some sort of hoax. I just don't. There's too it, many yeah, it is one of those things where I things in his I story. can't tell with him if he believes what he's saying. I think there is. I, I, think, he I, does. I think he does too. Actually, so I, I mm. sort of feel like sorry for him in a way, <laughs> you know, because like mm. I think he's had a hard life and he was like really ill and stuff like that. Yeah, and, but I do think like he is sort of being manipulated. And if you even like, there's it's very it's a very emotional it story is. for him. Every you know in every interview you see, and again like, uh, the, and this is the thing, right? When I say like he's being manipulated or it's some sort of hoax or whatever, like I feel like you can have those opinions without discounting the fact that this might be real right. for him, right. right? Like two things can I be agree. true at the I same agree. time. He can he can be really having these experiences, but they may not be exactly what what he. Um, believes them to be i guess the thing is like it, his whole family experienced this to uh -huh. some extent it's it's just very oh, see when i think about it it just it actually just drives me nuts because like the i i feel like i'm um battling my inner believer like my inner believer is like but you know what emily that his family are experiencing this as well they're seeing all this stuff they're, there's all these weird things happening how do you know it's not true and then like my rational side is like well actually look at x y and z you know the man's the evidence that the man puts forward is like him filming starlink satellites yeah. i mean like yeah. how do we and there's also in the first pages not to go off on another rant apologize but um in like the first pages of UFO of God, there's an easily disprovable thing where he says that he's been driven through the streets of, I think, Philadelphia or something like that. And he's been, he's had this forewarning in September that because the Pope was coming and he gets this like message right. and he's like, he's like, something's going to happen on this bridge. Something's going to happen on this bridge. We need to shut down this bridge. 
And he's like, oh, and then like a couple of weeks after I got this message, just he got this message in like mid-September, a couple of weeks afterwards, he um, it, he says that they shut down the bridge. Well, I just did a quick Google. They were talking about closing the bridge in friggin' August <laughs> before he ever got this message, right? It's, it's nuts. And then I was like, is anyone else talking about this? And I saw some Reddit posts that were like picking out inconsistencies, being like, um, he's saying that he was responsible. He had this vision of the Pope. Yeah. And that he, and that he did something to stop the Pope being attacked. But actually, like all of these plans were put in place way before he ever got this vision. Yeah. I mean, and he seemed to have like I mean, I mean, one thing I want to bring up too that I find very suspicious is his son mm. Ryan. Who oh. I mean, I, I I think I stopped following him on Twitter a while ago because it was too much for me. But like, he straight up talked, tweeted like a cult leader. I mean, like oh, to does. a to a degree that's undeniable. Yeah. Like the stuff he was. Bledsoe said yeah. so. <laughs> <laughs> that's his podcast, and I actually listened. I watched some of it on YouTube because I'm oh, a me glutton too. for punishment. But I could. Me too. With the same. With the same. Yeah, know, it's funny. Yeah, I, I think I think we're kindred spirits in the fact that I've heard you mention. Like, <laughs> I well, I, I want to get to Bill Ryan later and Carrie Cassidy, but like. I remember oh, when no. that stuff came out, I, and I knew it was all bullshit, but I watched every yeah. single damn video because oh, I, I hate myself, I guess. But, you know, like, <laughs> but yeah, it, 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 just to add a little suspicion to the whole story, if you look at his son, his, I mean, like, in mm. God bless, he might be a sweet guy. I'm not, I'm not judging his personality, but like, he hopped on the family business in such a dramatic way where his dad oh, yeah. was saying a lot of the stuff, who experienced a lot of the stuff, allegedly. But then Ryan kind of like enters the fray. It was like, look, <laughs> follow. I mean, it's yeah. straight up like, follow me. I know what's up. Like, yeah. you know, like. Yeah. He's and he's he's very open about the fact that like he um, has studied all of the like he was saying it was one podcast I listened to. He was saying he studied under a Rosicrucian. He'd been he'd been part of like Rosicrucianism. Right. He um, they were all involved in like Monroe Institute, uh, yeah. you know, just their inf- their involvement with people like Colonel John Alexander is enough to you know raise yeah. raise the red he, flags he, and and you know other countless CIA. I'm scared of Alexander people. for some reason. That guy creeps me out. Like I, <laughs> <laughs> I, am, I am he is like him. a really he's he is like a really yeah he's he's like um he shows up so much mm-hmm. doesn't he in like ufo stories yeah. he's very involved in the bledsoe story he was on that episode of um beyond skinwalker ranch uh-huh. um i don't know if you watched it i have i, I think i, I maybe saw watched him like i saw him on the skinwalker ranch show it, it, was he on the beyond show yeah. as well yeah yeah okay, I, I didn't yeah see that. he was on it with the chris bledsoe then they went out and like looked at orbs together oh, that's cute. You know? <laughs> Yeah, two buddies looking at orbs. So nice, you know. Honestly, I I don't. I feel like I haven't gotten like deep in enough into the John Alexander rabbit hole. I just know that his his name always it just pops up on air. Yeah, always lurking in the background. Yeah, I I I I don't know why. I saw him at a UFO conference in the year like right when I moved to LA. I was like so excited because LA had like all these mega conferences, and I would go. By yeah. myself, and I remember I, I went to this one in two thousand, and I had eaten a uh, a fun brownie, and went by myself. And then I remember seeing John Alexander there, and he was at that time was doing this whole Men in Black <laughs> thing where he'd show up in sunglasses yeah. and a black suit, and I was like terrified. Oh, I was like, God. oh my god. <laughs> 
Yeah, I can imagine if you if you're um if you're on a fun brownie yeah. and John Alexander shows up. Well. I can imagine that that's a recipe for a bad trip, it, it, right? Well, it was funny because I actually had myself a weekend. I stayed at the hotel. It was like in Orange County, which is like ugh, the worst place. But uh I remember Linda Moulton Howe and Richard Dolan were at a table at the bar and I sent them over glasses of wine and they didn't even like they didn't even oh like wave God. to me. <laughs> I, I was like trying to like Are no, you I was like, hey, man, like I'm pretty poor, and I just bought you guys two uh, ch- bloody, cheap glasses of those wine. Bloody assholes! That's horrible. They, that. Why they would you know? Waved. <laughs> I mean, insane. Stephen Greer was there. It was a host of just the best of the best. <laughs> All the stars <laughs> was, are here. It was, it was a star-studded <laughs> UFO. Oh, God, it was great. Oh, God. You know, I've never been to a UFO um, conference. I've been to, like, a lot of, like, UFO areas. I've been to Roswell, uh, Area 51, like, the museums right. and stuff. But I've never been to a conference. I do kind of want to go to one. But I, I want to go to, like, a small... Yeah. I don't want to go to nothing The small big. ones, I actually love going to, like, uh, folksy Midwest. Like, you know, a little town will have, like, their Bigfoot, like, their local monster thing. Perfect. And I love those because they're sweet. And they do kind of yeah. celebrate it in a more folkloric. They're not like, this really happened, you know. But like, Yeah, like Mothman yeah. Festival, stuff like that. I think yeah. celebrating folklore of any region or town is a beautiful thing. And I fully support Absolutely. That. But when you go to like the yeah. UFO Congress, which is like the probably the biggest conference in the world, uh, you know, yeah. in Arizona, that is where things I mean, that's an experience unto itself too. It's kind of fun, but yeah. it is also like scary in a way. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I there's an imagine. unnerving aspect to it, I think, when you kind of see the ufology kind of like, you know, we do. Or I don't know if we see it the same way, but you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like it's yeah. A little unnerving. Yeah. Um, and, I like the I like the little towns that do like have their I own folk. It. I went to um in Oct- October, November, I went to Point Pleasant and uh, Flatwoods. Oh, yes. And that's just like so it's cute. Adorable. With the little museums. Flatwoods Monster Museum. Honestly, I couldn't recommend it yeah. enough. It's so good. And like the merch in there is amazing. I have a Flatwoods they have, Monster like, such good stuff. Uh, little ceramic thing right, right in front of me. Nice. Yeah, I, lo- I went oh, to I'm town in that gift shop. Uh, I yeah, went with some friends really like two good. years ago. We did like the whole West Virginia, you know, Point Pleasant. And it was Awesome. Yeah, it was like a great vacation. Yeah, I got to go to Gray Barker's <gasps> archive as well, which was oh, so good. I didn't get to do so that. And I heard there's a rumor going around that it might shut down because they don't have enough financial support. Yeah, that's I heard that from the guy as well. He he was like, you know, that th- he was saying that barely anybody uses the actual library right. there. Um, so trying to you know keep keep everything going it's like a big um task but i hope that they find a way to like digitize it yeah. or something because it is i mean it is insane the amount of stuff that they've okay. got in there i didn't i had no idea like how much like how vast it would be it was like a whole wall filing cabinets with all of his files in and then like a massive bookshelf all of his books tons and tons of stuff and I only got a chance to look at stuff related to Morris K. Jessup and Carl Allen, like a Philadelphia right. experiment um, project that I'm currently doing. And even the stuff in there was just absolutely nuts, wow. like thing, things that just like correspondence between people. And I just, uh, I'm like so desperate to go back and like spend like maybe like two weeks oh, just going through it. Yeah. 
it's just I genuinely couldn't recommend it enough but don't do what I did because I we showed up and and we hadn't I didn't know that I thought we could just walk in I thought it'd just be in a room but um the librarian there had to call up the guy that runs it I think his name's David and I had to call him up and be like there's people here from England (laughs) We'll have a look at the archive. And it was like, all right, I just got to feed my cat and I'll be over. Like, I sort of dragged the poor guy away from his day to come and sit with me and my boyfriend sat in a freaking thing looking for yeah, exactly. That's so funny. But it was, um, yeah, it was, I, I genuinely, if you're ever in, uh, it's Clarksdale, yeah. right? It's Clark, I think Clarksburg, yeah. But Clarksburg, it's right in that general area, kind of like up. everything. I think they're all like, you know, Point Pleasant's like an hour from... Yeah. Flatwoods, yeah. Or Braxton were, it, it, yeah. but yeah, it's a yeah. good like little trip to do. It's West. It's also it really the, is. West Virginia is while it's a you know sad and kind of depressed state, it is beautiful yeah. though. Like yeah, it is. It's it lovely. Is lovely, lovely, like beautiful mm-hmm. hills, lovely scenery. Um, and you get to like when you know, when you're driving between some of these places, you get to drive on like roads where uh, people um, had, you know, like UFO experiences, yep. people like uh, Woodrow Derenberger yeah. and um, the other guy, I can't remember his name. I can't remember his name. There's one. There's oh, one. well, there was tons. I mean, that was a UFO hotbed in the yeah. 60s and 70s. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like the ones that they saw on like the highway and stuff when right. it you know came down in front of them. Oh. It's it's just cool. It's like a really cool kind of. Yeah, I love it. Good like weird road trip of West Virginia. Yeah, that's that's like my ideal vacation. And there's so many times mm. where my wife and I are on a road trip and I'll just like detour somewhere. She's like, "Wait, where are we going? We're getting off the highway." I'm like, "Well, like uh, supposedly a UFO landed in 1957." She's like, "Really? Again? <laughs> like?" <laughs> oh god! See, that's that's perfect. That's what I want to do. That's that's what you got to go. She's used to it by yeah, now. Absolutely. So. <laughs> <laughs> she puts up with it. Um, one, I, I want to just because I know you've actually talked. I'm sorry, I'm, this is kind of a tangent, but uh, oh, it's fine. I know you have talked to Rick Doty, and mm. I want to get your opinion on something because I, I cannot, and maybe, we'll probably never know. But do you think that a lot of the big UFO narratives that Doty was pushing in the 80s, in the 90s? were created by someone else and that Doty was just using these exi- existing stories? Or do you think Doty and some, some of the boys at the office created these stories? I can't tell if he used already existing stories to start a brush fire and to put gasoline on these stories and like have them like mm. flourish, or if he actually created them himself. Do you have an opinion on that? Um, mix of both, I think. Um looking at take Paul Benowitz right for an example there's there was multiple other people involved in that operation that was that you know that was Mm -hmm. an operation against Paul Benowitz um from the very beginning before Doty even claims that he was involved there's a guy called Major Ernest Mm -hmm. Edwards um who was involved with Paul Benowitz right at the beginning of like 1980 um and Doty claims that he got involved towards the end of 1980 um there's some there, there's a lot of like weirdness around him he he speaks out of both sides of his mouth you know like you, and you'll never be able to tell exactly what is true or not one one interesting thing um is that i'm not sure how much i should say because it's like an ongoing uh, an ongoing project of mine is basically like tracing the where the mj12 story Ooh. 
where it came from like in its entirety right so that's like a lot of the ufo videos that i'm doing at the moment like the dulcie bass one is kind of like a primer because so much of that is you know, involved in Paul and by the way and... it's fantastic folks you must go watch oh, it is you. so <laughs> damn good i love it it's, it's so compelling thank you thank you um but it's all kind of like leading into like mj12 and paul benowitz stuff and before um paul benowitz the paul, the paul benowitz story even started there was an incident in 1977 i believe at ellsworth air force base um and i think that's near you isn't it is that like south south dakota uh, north i north actually north? don't know i'm not good with my bases i think it's i think it's in i think it's in north okay. dakota anyway i might be wrong Anyway, not to dox oh, yeah. you. <laughs> I dox myself every day. I live in Omaha, Nebraska, damn it. <laughs> oh, no, you're in Nebraska, I am. I of course. Am. I f- why do I think you was in well, North I'm Dakota? Well, cl- I'm close-ish to North Dakota. I could get, I could, you know, I could be, I could be oh, there no, in seven hours if I left now. You said Nebraska. I somehow heard eh, North Dakota. They're kind of the same difference, though. Anyway, anyway, there was this incident in 1977 there and well, basically it didn't happen but it was this letter that got sent to uh i think his name's bob pratt worked at the national Enquirer, um talking about this incident where aliens had come to a nuclear base nuclear reactor site sorry um again this is all off the top of my head i'm not going off notes so but i apologize if any of the details are wrong but the story was that aliens came down they even they had like little suits on and guns and they shot uh you know the guys that were protecting this nuclear um missile site um and it was all fake and the national Enquirer sent at the time but like really deep into investigating ufos and they had a team of investigators sent them out to um ellsworth to investigate what on earth was going on interviewed the people that were named in this anonymous letter that they'd got tipping them off and they basically managed to debunk the whole story well years later i think this story came out 2022 2023 a guy called mario woods comes forward he claims that he worked at ellsworth air force base oh I, one thing i didn't mention to begin with is that um bill moore claims that this letter to the National Enquirer about this Ellsworth incident was um, written by Rick Doty, right? And that this was the this was the beginning of what would eventually become Majestic Twelve, uh. all linked in with Paul Benowitz and stuff. So years later, a couple of years ago, um, 2022, I think it was, uh, a guy called Mario Woods comes forward. He claims that he worked at Ellsworth Air Force Base, and in November 1977, he claims to have had a period of missing time where him and this guy that he was with, they were guarding this missile site, um, and then this massive, he says it was like the size of a Walmart building, comes down, and he essentially loses time. I can't remember the exact details. Um, he then gets taken into a briefing room, and who is in the briefing room with him? Rick Doty. He claims, along with other, along with other, um, you know, people from from the Air Force, AF, AFOSI. And the interesting thing is, Rick Doty's um, records do put him at Ellsworth Air Force Base at this time wow. period, right? So I don't, I, I, and I'm again, like this is all for like future videos and stuff, and and uh, I'm hoping to be able to talk to Mario. Um, who is the guy that claims that this actually happened to him? But there is maybe some um, 
there's there is you could put forward a theory that that was that could have potentially been a real incident whatever it was that happened i don't personally believe it to be aliens i think it could be something a little bit more sinister um i.e and again i'm not going to go into a huge amount of details i get at, at a future point i will but there's you know a long history of um uh nefarious medical experiments being done against um you know, people service people in the air force um in the uh, in the military in general and um, without their consent without their knowledge um especially kind of like you know in in around that kind of time period um but then you could put forward the argument that if that incident happened if this mario woods incident happened that rick doty would then a few years later write a fake letter about this incident an incident that he knows has happened but he exaggerates all the details he changes all of the names he adds all of this exciting stuff in fires it off to the national Enquirer. he denies that he ever wrote it he says he wasn't involved in it at all he says that they oh no they found out who it was and the person who it was at ellsworth air force base got um sanctioned or whatever for doing it and it was it was all the thing but then he also says he's like mm, but that hoax was based on something real that happens. So I'm like, and, and the time it, it adds up because the hoax letter, I hope I'm making no, sense, are, yeah. but the hoax letter, the hoax letter incident happened November 1977. And this Mario Woods incident happened November 1977 at the same place. So it just, wow. yeah. Oh, I did yeah. not I know that. I didn't know any question. of that. That is amazing. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm so good. Well, that's the thing. I, cause, cause, Mario Woods has come forward and I haven't seen anybody talking about how it is the exact same, well, it's not the exact same story, but it's the exact same time, almost the same perfect date, although Mario can't remember what the exact date was, as this hoax, which is now known as the Ellsworth hoax. So if you look up the Ellsworth hoax, Bill Moore, you'll be able to find right. it. Did, God, and I haven't read this book since the 90s, thank God. But uh, so be, was that story in Behold a Pale Horse? Bill Cooper's book? I don't think I don't no, okay. think so. I, think, I feel like it, it rings I a bell, but I can't so. remember where it's from. mentioned it's mentioned in conjunction with um MJ twelve. I'm not sure maybe Adam Go rightly right. mentioned it in that's Source of Spooks and Keys. Could could be mentioned in Mirage uh -huh. Men. Um it's also mentioned in like um, Bill Moore's uh he's got like an analytical report that he um he wrote with Jamie Chanderay. Right. Uh, or Jamie Shandera, yeah. however you say his last name. Um, and they put that out in the early 90s. And there's not a copy of that available online, but it is, um, it's in the MUFON archives, but you have to pay uh, $50 a year to access their archives, and, which is, yeah. you know. And also, like, uh, I know someone to MUFON, and I don't think they give you a lot of the good stuff. <laughs> you don't you don't get everything for $50 no. a year, I'll tell you that, because she is... She's no, in you did, and she's like, I'm not even able to see most of the stuff. And I'm like, oh. Yeah, I've, I, I stupidly, I've got access to their new, like they call it, again, they call it Project Aquarius, which is interesting because Project Aquarius is all linked in with MJ12. Yeah. Project Aquarius was like the precursor. It's what's all over the Paul Benowitz documents. I'm like, why on earth are they calling this Project yeah. Aquarius? You're delegitimizing anyway. it with your name alone. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I did uh, get access to those archives. Um, and there's some interesting stuff. Like, if you're interested in the story of MJ12, there's some interesting stuff in there. But, like, that should be yeah. free. It shouldn't be $50 a year. It should be free. I it's And, and again, this is the thing, right? People harp on about disclosure. 
we need disclosure, we need disclosure, we need disclosure. Start asking these ufologists and, you know, people like MUFON, organizations to be more yes. transparent. Then you'll get the disclosure that you want. It might not be the disclosure that you want, yeah. actually, but you'll get the, you might get you'll the get a version truth. of it. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and that's, yeah. that's, you know, kind of something I talk about all the time. It's like, if you are interested in these, you know, UFOs and stuff like that, the idea of waiting for the government to fulfill your X-Files dreams, <laughs> I feel like you're yeah. going to be waiting forever or you're just going to be lied to. Yeah. And I just... Yeah, I think going to be I think, right, I think of, I mean, like I am an act- activist myself for a couple of different causes, but the idea of putting any kind of energy into UFO disclosure activism, <laughs> no offense, yeah. I can't think of a bigger waste of time. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's crazy. It's crazy. And it's like, and, and, and I feel like, again, like some of these organizations are like, you know, they're not transparent. And a lot of these archives as well aren't transparent. You know, there's things like parts of Jack Vallée's mm-hmm. archives won't be available until pretty much everyone that's yeah. alive now and researching. Yeah, he's dead. got that, um, that, t- that um, decade-long embargo, where, you know. Yeah, yeah, and it's, you know, like um, people like uh, Leo Sprinkle's archives aren't going to be available until like some of there's parts of them anyway that won't be available until like 2070 whatever yeah, and i'm what like again like everybody that's everybody that's alive now and researching will not be able to access yeah. it, it it's just so like and 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 so there's so much like cliqueiness yeah. and it, whereas this should be a, that and that's again why i respect um you know, organizations like Jack Brewer mm-hmm. and Erica Luke's Expanding Frontiers, right? Because right? they've they've got they've got archive and they've, you know, by themselves um started digitizing it and putting it on the yeah. internet for yeah. free. They're doing really you know, all of like Andruffle's files. Yeah. yeah, all of their FOIA stuff. People like John Greenwald, yeah. right, with all of his FOIA requests, putting it all available on the internet yeah. for free for people to access. Yeah. And that's exactly how it should be. And and in those sort of scenarios, I don't see anything wrong with like people you know, giving donations no, no. or, you know, things like that. Cause obviously, you know, it costs money to host stuff and, you know, cover your fees and things like that. But to do like a kind of cash grab where it's like, you've got to pay $50 yeah. a year and then you get access to all these sites. It's like, just, just be transparent yeah. about yeah. it. I know? mean, like jet provide the information and people, people will be willing to support Completely you. Agree. In a way. I mean, like what Jack and Erica are doing, I mean, like, if you're getting value out of that, it makes sense to throw them a couple bucks. I mean, like, you know, like, exactly. are, it's not like this isn't requiring a lot of work from them. It is, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, it's like, you know, having Patreon as well. It's like, if there's a creator that you like and you, and you want to support them, they put their work out for free. You can support them Absolutely. via, you know, giving them donations or doing whatever. I just, uh, you know, it just, um, they don't do themselves any favors because it makes it look like it's just a money making uh-huh. operation. And for for some people, like I hate to say it, for some people yeah. it is. Like at some people, it's a bit it's a business. And of course, like all of us, unfortunately, have to have a living to survive. Yeah. You know, um, and I I do understand it, but to say you know be like you're fighting for disclosure, fighting for disclosure. Well, disclose what you yeah. know already. Exactly. <laughs> Simple and then we'll share, I'll share Simple my ads. stories and maybe we'll get somewhere, you know, like, but exactly. I, I, you know, this brings exactly. up a good point where, uh, my, my fellow listeners, uh, not fellow listeners, my, my, my friends, please support Emily's Patreon because the, her, 
Oh, you no, did. I want. I want to say. I I, no, to... I know you're not. I'm trying to do this. I, I know, like you, you, you're, you're too sweet to do this. But I'm telling you, her videos are so incredible. If you, I mean, like I, all I want to watch is documentaries like the ones that she's making. So once you check these out, I mean, if you if you like supporting this stuff, you could never. I mean, this is what you need to support is is work like this because it's so important. And I will say this: oh, it's entertaining. You which I think that is a good thing, <laughs> you know, like I do, I do try. You know, if, I do because try. a lot of this information can be presented in a very dry, boring, like, uh, who cares? Yeah. But you do it in yeah. such a funny, like interesting way where the pace is just perfect and great. I can't say enough about it. Thank um, you. I want this, which brings me to a particular video that you made. I, absolutely loved and had did not know about this but when it when it you know when i watched your video was the love has one cult oh god it, it, go. well you know it, it, it's <laughs> absolutely such a phenomenal video and then there recently because now that this cult is kind of you know it's kind of in the zeitgeist a little bit because of the hbo mm-hmm. uh documentary yeah. series which you contributed to right yeah, I was a consultant producer on it for a couple of years. Well, like from from it when it began. So how, how did that come until, about? Yeah, um, I had made weird timing. Um, beginning of twenty twenty one, I didn't really know what I what sort of documentaries I wanted to make. New things that I was interested in, but didn't really know how to go about putting things together. Discovered this love has one cult, and at the time, nobody really there were a couple of videos on youtube but nothing really in depth mm-hmm. they didn't have a wikipedia page they there was very little written about them there was a reddit thread uh, reddit subreddit um where a lot of kind of uh, family members and people that were involved in the story were sharing information there was and there were two facebook pages one called love has one exposed one called rising above love has one um love has one exposed was a bit more of kind of like a kind of trolled them up their worst moments you know a bit more kind of like gossipy whereas rising above love has one was more kind of about trying to help people who wanted to leave Mm -hmm. the cult um and trying to help them find a way to do it um i kind of started researching um to make this make the video that i ultimately made on them um and was making it i didn't know we knew at the time that amy the leader of the cult mother god um, had a lot of health issues and that she was very near death um, and that that it would happen at some point because just a, the photos that were being circulated of her and things that the cult she followers were saying. She was turning blue literally from colloidal oh, sulfur. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my yeah, God. Really, it's so yeah. bad, like really, really bad. Um, so as I was making this, editing this uh, documentary together, she died um, and there was a raid on their house in um Mathat in Colorado um which is where like their main house was where they found Amy's body and I put the video out I didn't really change much about it I used I put like a little bit at the beginning like a little kind of like you know I made this video before her, her death but still didn't really change much of the contents and I did a little bit afterwards anyway put that out and then maybe as the story was kind of like hitting the headlines um got an email from the director um, who wanted to make this documentary about Love Has One, um, asking if I wanted to be on board and help um, with like the the research and 
all of that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it was really, really That's strange awesome. and all kind of happened really fast. Yeah, it's really cool. It's very cool. I mean, experience. they did a, they did a yeah. great job. I mean, I thought it was really like well done. I was wildly compelling. And I mean, but yeah. I will say, like, your video, like, I mean, is so unbelievably on it, unbelievably great on its own. So, I think that's really cool. They, they found you for this. Yeah. The, the documentary is really interesting because you get to see this uh, kind of firsthand narrative told by the cult followers with the interviews that Hannah Olsen, the director, managed to get with them. And she stayed with them for, for weeks at a time and, you know, spent a lot of time kind of like immersed in their world and allows them to tell their stories, which is what I think really kind of yeah. works about it because it's a lot more immersive than like a... Uh, um, a lot of cult documentaries kind of take like a bird's yeah. eye view whereas this kind of like puts you right in it and uh, you know there's I've, I think I said this when I spoke to like John Tenney and uh, Jessica uh, about it on their live stream but like there's things in, in it that I think they could have added mm-hmm. more I think that they could have gone into a bit more detail I feel like almost everyone that watched it was like could have been like five six it, episodes it, it definitely could have i wanted i wanted it to be longer it, it felt i mean but like yeah. you know it's like you could have made it like two seasons really probably <laughs> yeah there's so much there so like it was yeah and the, the team that works on it it's insanely talented like filmmakers and editors yeah. and my my role on it was to watch um nearly 3000 live streams um because it's cult like live streamed like pretty much every single day uh, twice a day for years um so we're talking like thousands of hours so that's basically what i did for two years is watch watch live streams put them in a spreadsheet you know time stamps x person says x at this point x person said like all the salacious you know i mean this spreadsheet is insane and like kind of help to um you know like they a general kind of um they would they would say like we need a we want to show amy in x state so my job would be to find in that archival that we had um to find um amy in x state and they just yeah it was it was a really great experience of like learning how like a like a documentary works and and i think yeah the end product kind of speaks for itself and the way and it's been received really yeah. well as well it has well, i mean it's it's yeah. really you know i'll watch any doc series about anything weird and a lot of them are pretty good but this one definitely is like one of the better ones i've seen in years so congratulations yeah. it's really awesome yeah yeah it's yeah it's really good it's it's really cool again like i just i there's some things i just think could have maybe mm-hmm. could have been expanded on but again you're in like a you're being you're tight for time and you've got this massive narrative to yeah. tell and you're working um, with a network and be... they're ultimately going to tell yeah. you how long it's going to be <laughs> yeah exactly yeah exactly you've got other people that kind of go like oh you should you know include yeah. this bill or don't include that but, you know i i guess that's what i i, I wasn't proved to everything right. so um but yeah, it was it was a really great experience. I, I'm considering at some point kind of like revisiting um, Love Has One because there, there's some things that I feel like um, could go like there's things about my video that I would change oh. now. Like there's things that I know more, way more about um, and kind of, yeah. So I'm considering like making like a part two, like a follow, like a sequel. Ooh, I think we'd all <laughs> love that. You know, it'd be good timing for that too. Yeah. Yeah. It's just trying to get like all the stuff together. It's like the amount of footage that I've got of their live streams and 
things like that and yeah trying to work out exactly how to like how I'd want to present right. it because you know there's so much that's already been said but it's um yeah how I'd want to revisit it well we'll look forward to that Emily uh, you know, <laughs> you know. Before I let you go, I want to just talk about my absolute favorite of the most ridiculous UFO hoaxes, and that is the Project Serpo story. And one oh, thing gosh. I want to—well, one thing I want to point out because I think most people kind of who know about Serpo, and if people don't know about mm. Serpo, Serpo was in the uh, 2008, I think. Uh, there was this this document going around kind of almost like MJ 12, mm-hmm. but it was mm-hmm. that the government had a uh, exchange for an exchange student program with a group of uh, Zeta reticuli. And I might be, <laughs> I might be wrong about the actual aliens that they, uh, it's been a while since I looked at <laughs> but that there was an exchange program. But details don't matter. It's yeah. all, it's all it's bollocks, all bollocks anyways. You're so right. And, and, and it's literally <laughs> the close encounters of the third kind story to a T. But um, yeah, I think what a lot of people don't realize is that a lot of the most important players in this were UK based, because Bill Ryan was kind of the arbiter at at the at mm. first with you know the whole ser- getting the information and then putting it out there. And I think the reason why was because he had like IT experience or something like. That. Yeah, yeah. But, have you read Mirage Met? You've read I have. Mirage Oh Men, yeah, right? like twice. I love oh that yeah. It's 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 so good. There's so so many good tidbits in yeah. that about Bill Ryan. But he, I mean, like Bill, so it's, everything about it. Like if I was making a movie about a UFO hoax, like just the the cast of characters, like Bill Ryan is first off, he looks like Crocodile Dundee. Like he's he's like <laughs> this, this he's like this cute little hat, <laughs> long hair, and he's like. Oh, and then him. his girlfriend at the time was Carrie Cassidy, who is another yeah. fascinating hoax. Were they dating? Oh yeah, oh yeah, they were dating for a. Sh- were they? Oh, God, they were for this. a short period, and then they started Project Camelot, mm. where yeah, they yeah, were. Yeah. Oh, which I which I, I loved. loved it too with the leopard. Oh, the leopard kind of that little thing. It's got tune. that kind of like prog rock <laughs> song at the beginning with the, the whistle. Oh, it's so. It's good. her singing. It's, I spent so long Cassidy. watching Project oh, Camelot. Do you know that's her song? She's singing in it. Have you heard her Majestic Twelve? No, music. I want to though. Oh, I'll send. I'll send it to you. I'll send it to you after oh, this. It is do. insane. I'll love it. I'll listen to it. Well, it's like. House. It's like electronic music, but over the top. She's like, Majestic 12 was a secret plan oh, by the US government. Yes, please. <laughs> that sounds delicious. <laughs> it's so but, good. You know, uh, and then the funny thing is, so like Bill Ryan was like kind of like the keeper of the information, the liaison between, mm. uh, you know, the powers that be and us UFO fans. But then the mm-hmm. guy who busted the whole thing and traced the IP address back to Rick Doty was a man named Stephen Broadbent, who was from the UK as mm-hmm. well. And he, mm-hmm. I feel like he does not get enough credit because all he did, he I remember hearing a podcast with him like 10 years, he's like, literally all I did was like trace the IP back and it goes right back to Rick Doty. And Doty's like, no, yeah. no, no, it wasn't me, you know? And he's like dissing <laughs> him. He's like, look, it was the oh, most poorly does- written thing ever. Worst grammar. <laughs> that he does that he does that all the time though with any, like whenever any, anyone busts him for anything like when he recently got busted on Twitter for his porn account because he <laughs> no links his porn account yeah because his porn account right so like oh. in in Christian Lambright's book X Descending uh-huh. he's got a whole big section in there about how 
he found these posts that Dota had been making on a message board about his time in Cambodia. Um, he was basically like giving away all this information. And in it, uh, he's got his email address. And Christian Lambright puts a bunch of his email, Doty's email addresses into um, his book at the end. But if you just go on Google and look at look up some of them, some of those email addresses are, in, are linked up to his porn account. And his porn account is under the same name as some of his email addresses. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and, and he's even got his location marks on there. And it's like the town that he's from in New Mexico. Oh, my God. And he's making comment. Yeah, did you not see this? It was all over no, Twitter. I missed yeah. this. Yeah. Oh, I'll send you. Please do. Oh, my God. I need a good laugh. This is great. I remember yeah. one, I remember one time like 10 account. years ago seeing like somebody was putting around a video. It was like of a local Albuquerque news. And they were interviewing Rick Doty as because he was like a highway patrolman or something like that. And I was like, Yeah, yeah. I'm like, if these local people only knew who this guy really was, (laughs) they would not be taking him seriously. Like, uh, he is such a character, though. He really is a character. Very, very strange guy. And like I said, he's on Thomas Thomas Fessler's um, disclosure tonight, like every single day. It was so funny. I, I listened to the the one that they did on New Year's Eve and Rick's there. He, this Thomas, sorry to go no, off on please. a rant, like while you're telling a story, but Tem- Thomas Fessler um, the, like hosts the show and he kind of markets himself as like a late night TV host. And he's there and he's like, right. And then we've got Rick Doty and then Rick will pop up in a thing. And he's like, hi, Tom, uh, I've got my family partying in the next room as it's new year's eve but this is way more important to me so i'm gonna be on it <laughs> it's like dude go be with your family for god's sake they want nothing to do with them i'm sure <laughs> like dad you're full of shit man well you actually spoke to him on a zoom meeting am i right yeah. didn't i hear you say that once yeah wow yeah 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 some of it's in the um in the Dulcie yes. video, only a little bit of it, but it's it's more all to do with like MJ12, Bill Moore, all that kind of stuff. So I'm planning like using bits of it in like future videos. Right. He's an interesting guy. And now I'm jumping yeah. on tangents because you just said Bill Moore, and I'm wondering. Uh, I was going back and forth mm-hmm. with Adam Go Rightly last week, and he thinks mm-hmm. that uh, Jamie Shandere or Shandera, whatever how you however you pronounce it, is still alive. But no one has heard mm-hmm. from him at all in 30 years. Mm-hmm. And to me, like I would pay $100 pay-per-view just to watch him interviewed, like, nowadays. like Because, like, I am so curious, like, what his, their perception is of what's happened in, like, the last, since they left. There was a thing, I can't remember who told me this. And I'm trying to like, let me see if I can find it real, really quick. Um, Cause yeah, hang on a second. No uh, hang on one yeah. sec. We're looking stuff up folks. We're loving it. <laughs> oh, okay. Right. Yeah. So this uh, from, again, this comes from Rick Doty. Rick Doty claims that Jamie, he said he went, off the deep end this is a transcript of my interview with him he said he went off the deep end i mean really really a deep end uh he went crazy he went nuts and he snuck his way onto corona island where they trained the navy seals (laughs) and he penetrated some training area The the seals found him and they detained him they called the sheriff's department the sheriff came and locked him up what 
and he said that he was dropped there by a UFO. Oh my god! What? <laughs> <laughs> this is great. That, I guess I don't need. Now no, I'm not curious anymore. I know what happened though. to him. <laughs> I mean, it's probably apparently got bonded out by Bill Moore. I I don't know what any of that is. I'm sure that you could probably FOIA request that to find out whether or not that actually oh. happened. If there's some sort of maybe I'm gonna have to learn how to do the FOIA thing because I I must (laughs) know (laughs) like I I would pay that guy a thousand dollars for an interview just because I am so curious about what happened between the moment he left and the moment now I I obsess about missing UFO people like kind of like Bill Moore like you know for some reason like he was such he he made I mean like whether you like him or not he made a massive massive impact massive he is so much of this you know, like yeah well and he's now ufology because now so many of the stories that people believe now you can trace them back to yeah. bill moore he's like one of the elusive figures yep. right and i've heard you know he doesn't um you know, people that um have wanted to like scan stuff so like for example him and Jamie wrote that, uh, I mentioned it earlier, MJ12 analytical report, right, which is all about their involvement in MJ12 and tracing it back to Rick Doty and blah, 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 blah. It's like 150 pages or something. And it's really difficult to get hold of. There was like barely any copies of it um, made. And a few people have got copies, but like apparently Bill Moore doesn't want, like if you go and upload stuff, uh, things of, of his, you know, like his his old newsletters and stuff like that, he don't like that at cool. all. And will like ask people to take it down, but then maybe, maybe it, it then also like, I don't know, he, he just seems like a, I don't know. He must be really old now as I well. would think he is. I actually, well, I know somebody, I'm not going to mention who, who talks to him like once a year. Mm-hmm. And he, he mm-hmm. according to him, he has been out of UFOs, like, completely. I think he's interested yeah. in the early days of Mormonism or something. That's, like, his field of study. Okay. Yeah. I mean, well, he... he Interesting transaction. Yeah, it is. I mean, kind of one of the same, maybe. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe it's not that dissimilar at all. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I would, obviously, like, I'm always like, can you interview him? And he's like, well, I don't think he wants anything to do with that. But... He was on some um, of Greg Bishop's shows, not not that. That's long what I'm talking ago. about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. Greg. Like he was on uh, what's the um, his Radio Mysterioso. He, he, yeah, Radio Mysterioso. He was. There's a couple that he's on on there that I've listened yeah. to that are interesting. He he's just you know like I, again he's he becomes like a almost like a mythological yes. figure in ufology, yes. right? Because he don't, because he don't talk to people, or whatever. He only talks to a couple of people, or whatever. So then everybody kind of, you know, it makes up stories about him. What's he doing? Yeah, oh. all this kind of stuff. Or he's probably just not. He's probably just like I've fucking had enough. Yeah, of I'm him. out. Sorry, pardon my language. Well, it, it, it is one <laughs> yeah. of those things where it's like the fact that he could be so into it makes such an impact. Yeah. And he was making, I don't know if it was a good living, but a living in UFOs. And mm. then you know he just does the, the 1989 MUFON thing, and then mic drops. It's like I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, after he did write his, so I, I've got because I'm obsessed with this mm-hmm. MJ12 stuff. I just find it all so fascinating because again, it's, it's, it's not anything to do with the UFO element. It's all to do with the human yes. element. All of these people telling stories. Where did these stories right. come from? And then the stories get expanded on and blah 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 blah. And again, like the MJ12 stuff is so similar to Montauk mm-hmm. in the well, 
well, Montauk, as far as we know, wasn't a government psyop, or at least didn't start as that, whereas MJ12 absolutely yeah. was. But um, it gets extrapolated on over the years, right, and added on. And then you have things like the SOM 101 mm-hmm. manual, which is, is all, you know, all the, the stuff that came out in the 90s um, about MJ12. But because I'm obsessed with it, um, I found the one copy that was available online of this analytical report, and I bought it myself as a Christmas gift. Oh, you deserve it. So, yeah, <laughs> we're excited. Because the copy, like I said, they've got a copy on the MUFON archives that you can pay $50 a year to access, but you can't read half of it because it's been photocopied so badly. But it's a really interesting, um, from what I've seen of it, it is a really interesting document in that it is Bill Moore and Jamie Shandera um, talking about where these documents came from and tracing them to their origin. I gotta read this. So, wow, that sounds incredible. Because I too am fascinated I'll by t- this. I'll, I'll, sc- <gasps> I'll scan it and send it. Oh, to you. well, I will return the favor with some <laughs> other kind of, uh, you know, hilarious UFO hoax that I have. I guess I'm, I'm sitting if, on some if, pretty good stuff too. So I'll <laughs> if Bill Moore hears that, it's going to be like, you what? <laughs> you have- <laughs> Bill, if you're listening, babe. Well, I, I look, look, I, I have a, before I let you go, I have a pitch. I've been thinking about this for years and I've been um, telling Greg Bishop, this is my dream project, is to um, do a movie about to the 24 hours leading up to the 1989 MUFON thing where Bill Moore does that. And oh I want to play Bill because I feel like, you know, darken my hair a little bit. We're both big guys with beards and floppy hair, like... My, I was meant I think, to play. I think Bill you got to make this happen. I, I, you know, look. I think we could maybe we'll happen. collaborate in the screenplay because I'm telling you, this would cost. I think I I could I'm make down. this for a million dollars. Like, so yeah, if you're, could, it could be like you know, very closed set, right? You know, you're talking about you know, hotel rooms in absolutely. Vegas. Absolutely, it's like a play. It, it would not yeah. cost much yeah. money. There's no effects in it. You don't need any stars. Yeah. You know, like. Well, we'll yeah. talk off air because I, you might be a good, great client. I, I'm not even joking. Like, it's my dream movie. I was told Greg I that, you know, once I need to get my act together and turn Project Beta into a movie. Because I'm like, it is a wonderful political thriller. Like, you know, I love yeah. that book. Yeah, it's nuts. It's, it's, yeah, it's a great book. That's another interesting thing that I found in these MUFON archives is they they do actually, and not to, I'm, I'm not promoting yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> mention them a lot but it's only because it's at the forefront of my mind because they only came out like two days we're recording this at the beginning of january and they only came out a couple of days ago so it's been like what i've been looking at for the past couple of days but they've got a lot of the a lot of the documents and things that are referenced in project beta in these archives things that i've, that I've never seen before that i haven't seen like freely available anywhere and it's still not freely available because yeah. you have to spend 50 dollars <laughs> yeah. a year to access it costly available but they're available <laughs> I know, it's annoying. Oh. It's annoying. Man. Emily, this has been <laughs> so much fun. I literally was, so, I was, Incredible. I have been so excited to interview you. I have five pages of questions. I got to not even one page, which is a good sign. We can carry on if you well, want. Well, I would love, I, I would love <laughs> to have you back on if you wouldn't mind. Would you come back on, please? Because there's, I mean, there's sure. topics we didn't even get to, but you are. I could talk about this stuff. I know I could too. I could too. Uh, I'm I'm just I'm trying to keep my podcast, you know, like around 70, 80 minutes. But uh, yeah, I you you are a wealth of knowledge and so funny. And I just love your uh, point of view on all this all this stuff. Where mm-hmm. you know, I think some people who and I like like you, I am very much into this stuff. I may give it a little more credence than you, 
but I am highly mm-hmm. skeptical, I, I, you know, of yeah. a lot of these narratives. But like with you, and mm-hmm. I know you've said this before, you're a skeptic, not a debunker. You're not like a, you're not, you're yeah. not trying to ruin people's party, but you're just trying to shine mm-hmm. some light. Like, oh, hey, you're going down this path. You may want to know this information before you, exactly. it's a cautionary tale. And I think that the kind of work you're doing is so damn important to the fields of high strangest or whatever you want to call it. Like more of you, please. Uh, like, I hope, I hope you continue to do this stuff. And I know like watching, you know, 24 hours a day videos of cult members live streaming is tough, <laughs> but it is, we appreciate you. <laughs> so thank you so much. And There's someone's so out there. Right? Doing, sister. <laughs> it's a big burden, but you know, it's all on your shoulders. <laughs> You're protecting us, you know? Um, oh, Lord. Is, can you please tell people where to find your wonderful work? And I will link all this stuff, obviously, in the show notes, but just so that you can Sure. Um, so I'm mainly on uh, YouTube, uh, Weird Reads with Emily Louise. It's called Weird Reads because I started off making videos about books. But I guess the Weird Reads does still mm-hmm. count because I do reference books in every oh. video. So You do a lot of reading. <laughs> and then Twitch. Yeah, that's true. Twitter is like Weird Reads, uh, Emily, and yeah, that's it everywhere. Yeah. Well, you're also yeah. very, very entertaining uh, follow on Twitter as well, I must say. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like, and, and you're getting blocked by a lot, a lot of people that I would consider it a badge of honor, you know, so you are the knight in shining armor against all these jackasses out there, so... It's so funny. I, I, I go like, I, sometimes I'll get sent like a tweet and I'll open it. I'll be like, I can't open this. And I'll be like, oh, I'm blocked. I don't even know who this is. <laughs> like, so, what's going oh, on? I, I don't even think I'm that controversial on Twitter. You're not. I mean, like, but you are asking, maybe you're like, oh, that's an interesting uh, point of view. What are your sources? I yeah. mean, for example, but like, people don't <laughs> yes. want to give those. <laughs> no, they don't. They don't like that. That's true. That's very they true. They don't like it. Oh, everyone. Well, I hope you enjoyed this wonderful episode with my friend, Emily. Everyone, thank you so much for listening to Hi, Strangest. Have a great dinner this evening. Goodbye, friends. Stop.